Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. I am so excited to kick off a three-week sermon series today called Zip It, and I just want you to know up front, this is a series that has been shared by a number of pastor friends of mine around the country, and I think this series is really, really for me, and I also think this series is for you too. I mean, if you have ever accidentally inserted your foot into your mouth, this series is for you. If you have seen words, and it's almost like you would see them come out of your mouth because you wanted them back, this series is for you. If you have ever hurt someone with your words, this series is for you. If you think that you will never, ever, ever tame your tongue, as the book of James talks about, this series is for you. If you're joining us online today, this series is for you. If you are in the room for the very first time today, this series is for you. If you're here every week or listening on the radio, this series is for you. My name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here, and this series is for me too. We are excited about this new series we're kicking off today. I'm excited to see all of you. And I wanna begin simply by reading the words of Ephesians chapter four, verses 25 through 27. Here's what it says. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbors, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. In skipping 29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have spoken to us through your creation, through your people, and most clearly through your word. May we use our words to honor you, to build others up, and to share your grace with friends and strangers, and even with our enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. Every once in a while, we hear words that shape our lives forever. We are proud to accept you into our college. Yes, I will marry you. Now I pronounce you husband and wife. Honey, I'm pregnant. Congratulations, it's a boy. The doctor says the cancer is back. I'm sorry to tell you this, but your wife has passed away. Words have the power to shape our lives forever. I remember going to a teen leadership conference when I was a sophomore in high school. It was, it was very exclusive. It was by special invitation only. And my sister, who was a senior, she got the special invitation. And she asked our high school principal if I could tag along. That was my special invitation. 
But at this student leadership event, we played all kinds of leadership games. We did all, all these group building exercises and activities. And, and one of the things we did was we made these decorative poster boards for every student at the event. And then we hung the poster boards on the walls. There were probably 40 or 50 students from our high school at this event. And all the students and all the teachers and all the coaches who were there were encouraged to write something positive to one another on the posters. And, and everybody's posters, they were filled with all kinds of nice things, all kinds of doodles and scribbles and inspirational comments. And, and, and I suppose mine was no different, but I don't really remember anything written on my poster board. Well, except one thing. One thing I remember very clearly. The head coach of my high school football team who could do no wrong so far as I was concerned, he wrote the following words on my poster board to me, his smallest football player. Four words. Small stature, great potential. Now I'm five and a half feet tall, slow as Christmas, regularly pick last in schoolyard games. Maybe that's what other people saw, but that's not what my coach saw. My coach saw great potential. And his words then have helped shape my life forever. Words have the power to shape our lives forever. If you're taking notes, that's our big idea for today. Words have the power to shape our lives forever. Now, maybe you weren't afforded the same words of affirmation as me. Maybe your coach was not so kind and encouraging as mine. Maybe the words you heard robbed you of some of your best years. You'll never amount to anything. I regret the day you were born. I wish you were more like your sister. I never should have married you. The most likely scenario is you haven't heard the worst comments, you haven't heard the best comments, you've just heard comments, regular comments, run-of-the-mill, common comments that make you think you're just a common run-of-the-mill person. But even the most common comments can shape our lives. I mean, little white lies can add up to something much bigger. Constant complaining and criticism can affect our demeanor. Subtle words of gossip can slander someone's character, friendships can be broken, marriages damaged, promotions missed. You know, several weeks ago, several weeks back, you might remember our worship pastor, Sean, who does an incredible job of leading worship, by the way. You might remember him telling us that another pastor he worked for years ago said to him, you know, leading worship really isn't your thing. And he shared with us how that, that affected him, how that shaped him, how that hurt him. And I, I imagine God actually used those negative comments to motivate Sean to continue to use his gifts and talents to lead others in worship. But I wonder if for a moment you might be able to bring to mind some of the helpful or hurtful words spoken to you that shaped your life in positive or negative ways. 
I wonder how the words of others have built you up or have torn you down. Today, I just want you to consider how words have shaped your lives. And, and then I think even as important or more important, I want you to consider even more how your words are shaping the lives of others, building them up or tearing them down. Little white lies adding up to something bigger. Subtle words of gossip slandering someone's character. And as you consider how your words are shaping the lives of others, I want us to take a look at God's word. As we take a look at God's word, the first thing that God's word tells us in our text that we're studying today is this. It tells us to speak truthfully to, with, and about your neighbor. Now, if you're taking notes, write down, make sure to write down all three of those words, to, with, about. Speak truthfully to, with, about your neighbor. Ephesians 4.25 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now here we are called by the Apostle Paul to speak truthfully to. Now the word to can mean with, it can mean about. Paul tells us to speak truthfully to, with, and about our neighbors. And incidentally, Paul was a guy who knew what it meant to be slandered, to be gossiped about. This was a guy who had done some horrible things in the name of God, and then he had repented, and he'd done some incredible, wonderful things in the name of God. But Paul had many enemies, and he had many adversaries, and he knew what it was like to have God and God's word shape his life in a powerful and positive way, but he also knew what it was like to have man's words shape his life in a negative way. In fact, Paul was nearly killed because of the words of a man named Demetrius. Acts chapter 19 tells us the story of what happened to Paul at the hands or at the words of Demetrius in the city of Ephesus to whom the words we just read were written. Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 23, says this. About that time, there rose a great disturbance about the way, the, the Christian way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. And he called them together, and along with workers in related trades, he said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshiped throughout the province of Asia and the world will be robbed of her divine majesty. And when they heard this, they were furious and they began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians and soon the whole city was in an uproar. And the people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. And if you read the rest of the story, you'll see that Paul and his coworkers, they were mobbed and they were nearly killed because of this man, Demetrius, because he was gossiping about them. He was slandering them. And though Demetrius' words were in some ways truthful, they were also hurtful. And so Paul understood the power of words. And it's no surprise then that he later writes about the power of words to build up and to tear down to the Ephesian church. 
And in those writings, Paul tells his readers to always speak truthfully to, with, and about their neighbors. And his words to them still apply to us today. Now, the word falsehood in Ephesians 4.25 indicates a deliberate attempt to hurt someone. This is not just a mistake in information. This is not a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding. This is a deliberate attempt, a deliberate attempt to deceive others about someone or to injure someone with your words. This is the idea of maligning someone or gossiping about someone or speaking about someone behind their back. Furthermore, when Paul says speak truthfully to your neighbor, the word to can mean several things. It can mean what it means in English, that you're telling your neighbor something false in order to hurt someone else, like you're telling a lie to them, you're gossiping to them, but the word can also mean with or together, like you and your neighbor are talking together about someone else, you're grumbling together, you're gossiping together, you're, you're being critical together about someone else. And then finally, the word can mean against your neighbor. So you're not talking to your neighbor or with your neighbor, but about your neighbor and against your neighbor. And I just wonder, do you ever talk about or against any of your neighbors? Some of you are like, oh yes, I do. And it's all true. And since it's all true, then it's all okay, right? Uh, No, that's not right. You see, Paul's not just prohibiting dishonest talk, he's prohibiting any talk that tears down your neighbor, even if it's true. So now like the the next question becomes, well then, uh, who is my neighbor, right? And if you read the very verse there, Paul mentions the the body of Christ, your fellow believers. You know, when Jesus was asked the question, who is my neighbor? He expanded that definition. There was a religious leader who wanted to know who's my neighbor in Luke chapter 10. And Jesus came up with the most obnoxious, most offensive person a Jewish leader could ever have thought of. And then Jesus told the story, the parable of the good Samaritan where he insisted that everybody, 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 everybody is your neighbor. And so what I wanna do now is I wanna ask you a series of questions, just an exercise. I want you to to respond back to me as I ask each of these questions and you can respond with a a, a yes or a no or a maybe or however you wanna do that. So I'm just gonna ask a few questions. Are my coworkers my neighbors? Yes. Got some students in the room. I'm gonna ask the question of everybody, whether you're a student or not. Are your fellow students your neighbors? Are my teammates my neighbors? Is your roommate your neighbor? Huh? Is your ex-wife your neighbor? How about this one? Is your husband's ex-wife your neighbor? Everybody say yes. Let's do this one. Is your elected politician your neighbor? What? I heard a few too many no's in there. The answer is yes. Is your pastor who sometimes might step on your feet a little bit your neighbor? Is your fellow churchgoer your neighbor? Is the LGBTQ activist in your neighborhood your neighbor? Are your Muslim coworkers your neighbors? Is your neighbor your neighbor? 
Everybody say everybody. Everybody. Everybody is my neighbor. And so if you can't say something good to, with, and about your neighbor, then as our grandparents always told us, don't say nothing at all, right? And I think that wisdom applies as much today as ever before. Because if you do, Paul says this. Paul says that bad words, your bad words, will give the devil a foothold in your life. Your words about someone or against someone, if they are untrue or unhelpful, or even if they are true but unhelpful, they can give the devil a foothold in your life. When I was a, when I was a little boy, me, me and my sister, we would get in these, these huge uh, fist fights. And I think it, it, it kind of, it, it had to be funny for my parents to watch. And I think they would watch just for the humor of it because uh, what would happen is neither of us would actually just stand up and fight. What would happen is she would run up and she would hit me in the back and then she would turn and run the other way. Well, then, of course, I would, I would chase her down, and I would hit her back, and then I would turn and run the other way, and, and then she would chase me down, and she would hit me back, and then she would turn and run the other way, and we would go back and forth and back and forth in our house. It was long and narrow, and my parents' bedroom was at one end of the house, and my sister's bedroom was at the extreme opposite end of the house, and so we would run all the way across the house into my parents' bedroom, hit, turn, run all the way across the house into my sister's bedroom. Bedroom, hit, turn, run all the way across the house into my parents' bedroom, hit, turn, run, and so on. But what was really happening here is my sister was trying to get the last hit. Not me, my sister. And she knew that if she could outrun me across the house to her bedroom, then she could slam the door and she could lock it and I would be stuck in the hallway and she'd win. Meanwhile, I knew if I could just get my foot in the door, then she couldn't close the door. And eventually I'd wedge my way in and the battle would rage on. If I could just get my foot in the door, if I could get a foothold before the door closed, then I could get in and the fight would go on. In Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, Paul says that, that bad words, words spoken in anger, give the devil a foothold in your life. Bad words give the devil room to move in and keep the battle raging on. When you engage in hurtful, destructive, angry words, even if they are true, then you're letting the devil get his foot in the door and the battle rages on and you keep getting hit and you keep getting hurt. And that's why Paul gives us the any only filter for our words. It's like this, if you wanna speak words that, that shape the lives around you in a positive way, if you wanna stop giving the devil a foothold in your life, then there are two really important, really helpful things you can do. Number one, you can memorize Ephesians 4.29. Just memorize that powerful verse. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but 
only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You can memorize that powerful verse. And number two, you can use the any only filter found in that verse. The any only filter is the way to go when it comes to words. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up that it may benefit those who listen. And the any only filter, it's like the old poster my teacher had in her classroom when I was in grade school. Maybe your teacher had this poster too. It said, think before you speak. You remember that? Think, T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspirational? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Think before you speak. If it's none of the above or just two or three of the above, then you're better off letting it go than speaking it out or writing it on Facebook or tweeting it or sharing it with a friend. The apostle, he didn't come up with a think before you speak poster, but he did come up with the any only filter. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, when we read that verse, we typically think about like four letter words, right? Think about bad words. But the phrase unwholesome talk is, is, is a better translation than, than bad words because the ancient Greek language carries the idea of rotten food. This kind of gets lost in translation, but it's saying bad words are like rotten food. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever accidentally eaten rotten fruit? Or how about this? Have you ever uh, drank spoiled milk? And as, as soon as it hits you, you know immediately something went very, very wrong. Ephesians 4.29 can refer to vulgar words. It can refer to nasty jokes, which are certainly inappropriate for those who follow Christ, but it's actually about gossip and slander. That's what Paul's talking about. Just as much as vulgar words and nasty jokes, gossip and slander. Slander is when you straight up lie about someone. When you lie about your neighbor, gossip is when you talk about them in a negative way, even if it's true. And Paul says, do not let any of that come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. Building up is a Greek phrase that means building a house, that your words about your neighbor should build up their house. Neighbors so often, they get crossways with each other, they wanna tear each other down, and that's a shame, and that's not the way of Christ. And then finally, the word benefit means to give with goodwill. Do your words benefit those who listen? Are they saying something beneficial? Are they helping someone? Are they goodwill to someone? And maybe the person who's listening is not even the person you're talking about. Does it benefit those who listen? Do your words benefit those who are listening? Maybe you're talking about your neighbor while your kids are listening. You think that benefits your kids? Maybe you're talking about your neighbor while your coworkers who know you are a Christian are listening. Does that benefit your coworkers? Maybe you're talking about your neighbor while your fellow church goers, your fellow believers are listening. Does it benefit the believers around you? Are they seeing Christ in you? Are they hearing Christ in your words? You know, like when you, when you ask me to pray for someone, but really, it's gossip. Or when you're concerned for a ministry leader, but really, it's gossip. 
Do your words benefit? Do they positively shape? Do they breathe life? Do they breathe goodwill into those who are listening? And if not, then maybe you should do what my third grade teacher, Mrs. Copeland, so often told me to do. She said, she would say, Matt, you just need to zip it. She actually had a nickname for me. She called me Motor Mouth Matt. Perhaps it was self-fulfilling prophecy because now I get paid to talk. <laughs> Who knew? Well, that brings us to our takeaway for today. Be intentional this week about telling someone that God loves them. I just bring to mind someone right now that you know they need to hear that God loves them. I mean, in a world where everybody is saying something bad about everybody else, be different. Tell somebody that God loves them. People are struggling, people are suffering. They need to hear, they need to know that somebody loves them, most importantly, that God loves them. And so I wanna challenge you to decide today as you sit in this room that you're gonna go out this week and you're going to tell someone, show someone that God loves them because God loves them enough that he sent Jesus to the cross. He gave Jesus to us. He loves us that much to suffer in our place, to set us free, to die in our place, to give us life. God loves people and people need to know it. So you let them know it with your words. That's our takeaway for today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking life into us in so many ways. Forgive us for using our words to tear others down. Help us to think before we speak, to use the any only filter. Help us to build our neighbors up and to remember that everybody, everybody, everybody is our neighbor. Jesus, we thank you for being our savior, for dying so that we could live life to the full and live life in eternity. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Now we honor you, not only with our words, but with our hearts as we enter this time of communion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.